0: How many of you have ever had uh, someone in your life that uh, seemed to rub you the wrong way? Anybody? Have anybody like that? You know, uh, some of those folks, uh, or, or a lot of those folks, they, they, they're in our lives and, and it just doesn't seem like... Um, Uh, The the harder we try to be in relationship with them, the the more we want things to go deeper in our uh, relationship together with them personally, Uh, sometimes the road gets a little bumpy and we're not really sure um, how that can be. We can have challenged relationships even in our own families. We don't have to go really far uh, to find that challenged relationship, do we? Uh, Some of us through the years, if you've had kids, you've had some challenges with your kids. Uh, someone once told me, hey, when your kids get older, the, the challenges don't go away, they just are different challenges and sometimes they're bigger challenges. Um, if you've ever had a challenge with a parent, uh, you know what that's like. It's it's not a fun thing. And we all, we, we try our best to work through uh, the challenges that are there. Um, sometimes our friendships get a little fried. They get a little crispy. Uh, they get burned a little bit on the fringes because um, these are folks who said that they would be there for us, that they would do things for us, that they would take care of us. And in the end, we find out that, that maybe they weren't there for us. Maybe they didn't take care of us. They weren't there uh, to help us out. So we get in these places where we find out that uh, those relationships are are very difficult. Uh, some of us have people in our lives that like to push our buttons. You have any of those folks? They know what really irks you, they know what uh, gets under your skin and they like to push that little button. And when they push that button, they, they know that they can get to you and, and that doesn't come off very well either. And and in all these relationships where we seem to have some challenges and troubles with, if we're not careful, we find ourselves looking at these individuals and in these relationships and we say the words, forget it. There's no way in the world that I'm gonna make the effort to go try and, and deal with this or make this any better. I'm just gonna move forward in my relationship the way that it is without the that are there. Uh, There are people that we dread spending time with, whether it's a day or even an hour. There are people that we hope that we don't run into in the grocery store. There are people that we hope that we don't run into in our businesses or out on the golf course or or places out in public. And heaven forbid, if the person that, that we're not getting along with is a church friend, Gosh, coming to church can be a, a difficult thing as well, and, and we're troubled by that. And we see that, that these are the kinds of people that, that create that, that pit in our stomach that just makes us ache a little bit, and, and we're just kind of struggling, and it just really eats us up uh, the moments that we think that we have to deal with them or see them or to be with them. But let me ask you a question this morning what do you, what do, you do with those kind of relationships? What do you do when uh, people are people in your life that you just can't get along with, people that, that you have challenges and troubles with? Um, sometimes uh, you, you convince yourself that you say, I'll never be like that person uh, because they're such a bad person or they don't know how to deal with people and, and I wanna be something new. But, but all of a sudden we find ourselves being like the person that, that we're not really happy with. But every day, every day, I promise you, every day, uh, someone is going to pop into your life, someone's going to be a part of your daily stream, your daily consciousness, somebody's going to be in your life that you're not expecting, or somebody's going to bring some havoc to your life that you're not prepared for. And it almost makes life feel like a reality show that we're supposed to pick behind door number one or door number two to find out how bad it's really going to be. And we're challenged with these relationships that we have, But, but we're striving our best to have healthy relationships, because we know that that's what the Bible says. Um, as you're thinking about the person or persons that, that you're troubled by in your life right now, um, a lot of us will go into that thought of our lives where we'll say, you know, um, the person that we've had challenges with is unique to me. Nobody else deals with this. Only I deal with this. And we begin to have kind of that ER mentality where we think that, that we're the only ones who ever struggle with these kinds of relationships. But let me, let me reassure you in a good way, you're not alone. Uh, that all of us are troubled by relationships and the things that we see in our lives. And it appears that every day we get a blow that affects that. Back when I was playing um, uh, organized football in, in school, I, I remember how I got hit on every play. I was, a, I was an offensive guard. And when you're a guard, you're getting hit on every play. When you're an offensive lineman, you get hit on every play. You're pounding people on every play. You, you want to make sure that you get the sucker punches in the best that you can to get uh, really, I was a bad guy back then. You know, try your best to just do, to make sure that you can do. So whether you are, you know, running uh, to open a hole so that the running back can go through, or whether you're dropping back to protect the pocket for the quarterback, as an offensive lineman, you're getting pounded and pounded and pounded on every play. It's like you're constantly getting hit by somebody, hit by somebody. I remember a lot of times running back into the huddle, and there'd be blood coming from my knuckles, and my arms would be all scabbed up and scraped. I'd be hobbling. I'd take a shot in the kidney that was a cheap shot. I'd be walking back. You know, when you're a high school kid, that's cool stuff. But when you're 39 years old, you look back on that kind of stuff and you don't like that at all. And you think about, wow, you know, that those, those were really bad things. But but that's the way it was. And, and our lives are like that, aren't they? That every day in our lives, we seem to take a body blow. We seem to take uh, something that hits us, something that comes our way. And I remember running back to the sidelines after a, a particular sequence of plays and my coach, Coach Ziegler, looking right at me as I'm limping back going like, shake it off, Martin. You're better than that. You can take those kind of blows. And, and sometimes in life, those are not the kinds of things that we want in our relationships, is it? But truth be known, truth be known, that happens. You know, in our relationships, we give, we acquiesce, uh, we try our, our best not to uh, get things angered. We try our best to try to work through kinds of some, th- some things. Some of us adopt a very passive um, environment or behavior that we just don't want to rock the boat no matter how bad it's getting. Others of us, we, we go from like zero to volcano pretty quickly, and, and we want to settle the score, and we want to deal with those kinds. But let me ask you a question. What do you do with those relationships that you're not sure what can be done to make it right? those relationships where you think you've tried or that you've worked through things or that you're not really sure you have the time or the energy or the desire to make good again? Uh, what happens when you just uh, swear that you have no fault at all in that broken relationship? That it's nothing that, that, that you could have done by that, uh, but you get to a place where you just feel like, you know, that there's no other options. And, and the options that are, uh, that are there for you are not real healthy options. Uh, reconciliation is a biblical word, and to reconcile um, is a very difficult thing for us to do, even as Christian people. Reconciliation is one of those topics, one of those subjects that, that we think we believe in it, we want to believe in it, we desire to have that. We, we see the benefit of all that, but sometimes the reality of life comes, and we're not really sure we want to reconcile the broken relationships that we have. But but we have to, because who in our right mind wants to go from relationship to relationship dragging? all that junk behind you? Who, who of us wants to continue to operate in a fractured relationship with people that are around us? Um, and and there's, a, there's an important thing that we have to address. If we are going through troubled relationships with family and friends and, and people that we know like that, we have to remember there's one common denominator in every relationship that we have. What is it? It's us. So so we have to own. So if we're, if we're upset at a family member, if we're upset at, a, at one of our children, if we're upset at friends or coworkers, uh, heaven forbid, people at church, uh, if we're upset at those, we have to remember that there's some responsibility or some culpability on all of our parts, that we can't just blame the bad relationship on somebody else and think that we're free, but that we have to make sure that we see that. And that's why reconciliation is difficult, but more importantly, why it's so important for us. And it's necessary for the other person's sake, because they need to understand that that there is an end to the problems and the challenges that are before you. But here's usually kind of what what happens in these things. I found out that the ironic thing in in relationships when we're not uh, good with one another is we begin to think and wait on the other person to come to us. Well, they're the ones that did this. They started it. It's their fault, and therefore they have to come to me, kind of like the Muhammad has to come to the mountain kind of thing. You know, they got to come to me, and when they come to me and they grovel and they're on their knees and all that, then I'll think about maybe I'll reconcile this relationship. But but I'm amazed at, at how when we think that, The odds are really high that the other person's saying the same thing. You're going like, well, they need to come reconcile with me. And guess what? I found out in a lot of instances that's what they're saying about you. Well, they need to come reconcile with me. And we're both thinking the same thing and we're going in opposite directions and nothing's getting done. But reconciliation, it's a bridge builder if we don't begin to build the bridge to reconcile with those that we are uh, sideways with in our relationships, if we don't begin to erect a bridge, then there's no hope at all. There's no hope at all that we can get there. There's no hope at all that we can be where we want to be. Uh, For Christians, reconciling relationships is the key. And we do it not for ourselves, but we do it, as the Bible says, for Christ's sake. We reconcile our relationships with each other for Christ's sake. And that's a part of who we are as Christians. We are called to find a way to reconcile, to make right the wrong that has occurred in our relationships. We are called into those real life messy conversations. We are called with God's help to get us to a place where we can move forward for a healthy way to reconcile things that are there. Now, listen, I know what goes on in people's heads, but but they're not gonna care. They don't even care if I do this. They don't even know what they did to me and all those things. But you know what? We have to try. We have to try. And we have to move forward to the best of our ability. Have you ever felt like... um, you just wish that your troubled relationships came with an easy button. Remember that, uh, one of those uh, office commercials, office store commercials, that was easy, and you'd push the button, and it'd be done. I mean, for some of us, we would really like our relationships to be that way. When they go sideways or when they're not good, we would just like to hit an easy button, that was easy, and it would be all done. And I, you guys like that, huh? That was easy. Uh, so so we, we want it to be done, in a sense, to, to just take care of that. Uh, but what it is is, is, is it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm not sure I wanna push the button. I'm not sure I want to make it right. I'm not sure that, that I want to, to be that way. And let me tell you where it leads to in some instances. Now, now maybe you all don't, but I know I do. Sometimes um, I have these conversations with myself. You ever talk to yourself? And that's not unhealthy to say, yes, I talk to myself. Nobody's gonna haul you away or anything like that. But, but especially when you're, when you're angry at somebody or when you're in a bad relationship with somebody else, Do you ever have those conversations? Well, when I see them, I'm going to say A, B, and C, and I'm gonna make sure that they know what they did, and here's how it's gonna go down, and here's where it's gonna happen, the words that I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna make sure I quote this and quote that, and I'm gonna make sure that, does that ever happen? You kinda like roll tape it in your mind, and you start thinking about how it's gonna go down and the things that you're gonna say and the things that are gonna get there. And, and what happens is we place it in our head because we hope that in our head we'll find the courage, that in my head, the way that I pr- propose this conversation, that it's going to somehow give me courage to be able to say the things that I want, but sometimes when we rehearse it in our heads, guess what it does? It just makes it harder because then we start getting wound up. And we start getting really upset about the situation more and more and more. And we're not sure that we're seeing it with, with clarity. Um, if you're like me, you struggle with this. But if you're a Christian, something's supposed to be different. And the scriptures really pull that into focus for us. For the many reasons where I find myself making excuses that I just can't reconcile with someone else, um, like you and me, we need to take a cue from God. God. Because God is the one who teaches us about reconciliation. In fact, that's what the Scripture talks about. It talks about what it means to reconcile. We see our story. We are a depraved people, which means that we are sinners. We do not always make the right choices. We don't always say the right good things to each other. We stab each other in the back. We gossip. We do all these negative things to each other because we're depraved. We're, we're sinful. But, but here's what the Scripture says. The Bible says that God wants to make that right. That God in our inability to make that right, God wants to step in and he wants to make that right. And God says, use me. Let me be the one that takes the lead in this conversation with you and for you to make all these things right. And then we start realizing that, that um, you know, we have kind of given God run for his money. That there have been times in our lives where we have run from God or we have not wanted to be reconciled with God, but God reconciled himself unto us. How did he do that? He did it on the cross. He gave his life through the flesh, through the divinity and flesh of Jesus Christ. And, and he bled on the cross so that it freed us, so to speak, into a way of. Of, of reconciliation. You know, we've all learned, whether it be by some sort of church verse or, or whether we've been taught by a family member, a parent or a mentor of Christianity or something like that, we've all learned that the scriptures teach us about reconciliation, that reconciliation is right at the heart of God. And God wants us to find a way of reconciling that. And, and, it, and it goes beyond just sending an email, it goes beyond sending a card, it goes beyond driving to the person's house or giving them some FaceTime. It costs God everything to be reconciled to you. It costs God everything to be reconciled to me. So so what we see is that God has given us this, this plan of what it means to understand God to center reconciliation, but he wants us to live into center to center reconciliation. And that reconciliation is key with the things That We see the apostle Paul wrote this um, in Colossians for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things so God wants to reconcile all things to him and if we are called to be holy as God is holy if we are called to be like God then we are called to reconcile all things through God as well whether they're things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, we sit there and we look at this and we go like, man, I don't have the courage to make the phone call. I don't have the thought in my mind to go and stand before the person that I'm angry at and and begin a conversation to try to work this out. But Paul says that that God in, in his blood on the cross reconciled us to this. He goes on and writes, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And we get a little, little punchy about the words evil behavior because none of us wants to see ourselves as being evil. We may have some bad traits, but who in our right mind wants to say I'm an evil person? None of us wants to say that. But in reality, evil means that we're not doing the good of God because we're either good or we're evil. So, so Paul says that, that these evil Uh, Things are the enemies of our minds and the evil behavior that comes from that. So whenever we mistreat somebody who's a part of God's good creation, what Paul is reminding us is is that we are not right with God. If I am mistreating you and you're trying to have a relationship with me or one time we had one and I've said things to you or I've done things to you to harm you and and I don't want to reconcile that, what Paul is saying is because I won't reconcile that, I'm doing harm to God. It's as important to not just have reconciliation with God, what we call vertical, it's as important to have horizontal reconciliation, the reconciliation that comes between all of us. But he, God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. The Christian faith teaches us that that we can get on our knees and we can repent. We can go to God and say, God, here's an act that I've committed. Here's a thought that I've had. Here's words that I have said that are not good at all. And we can get on our knees. And our faith says that if we get on our knees and we repent of that, and it grieves our heart and we say, God, I just want this out of my life. It's not what I want at all, and I want to get back on the path with you. Our faith through Scripture tells us that God hears that prayer and God forgives us. In fact, it says that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. And folks, I don't know how much more complete that can be, that he casts them as far as the east is from the west, infinity, and he remembers them no more. And so we believe if we can do that, if we can get on our knees and if we can confess those sins and do that, well, we have in our mind this God and sinner reconciliation. But what we've got to remember is it goes beyond that. It can't just be all about us and God. We are a people of community. We are a people that are called the body of Christ, not just singular, an individual of God, but the body of Christ. And that's the embodiment of, of who we are as a people. So we leverage those kinds of prayers all year long and all day long. And, and we, and, but when it comes to issuing some sense of grace or some sense of repentance or reconciliation to someone who's harmed us and said things about us, we, we just want to throw that out the window. And we want to say, ah, it doesn't apply to that. It only applies when it's me and God. But here's how important reconciliation is. Um, Jesus gives us some instruction in Matthew's gospel. Um, who all would say, by lift of hands, who would say that worship is important to God? Anybody believe that? Yeah. I mean, go to Psalm 100. It's a psalm of worship. It talks about what we're to do to come and ha- that God inhabits the praises. We come into his tent to, to worship him and to, and to grow with him. And so worship is key. It is important. And, and when we come to worship, uh, we come and we, we read scripture. We go deeper into that. We come to worship and we begin to open our minds and, and who we are to a place to go deeper in our faith. And we come into worship to, in the awness of who God is. And it's like ah. Oh. We're here, we're in his presence. So worship is really important. But Matthew documents for us uh, something that Jesus says in um, Matthew uh, chapter five, verses 22 through about 24. Listen to what Matthew says. Jesus is speaking, but I tell you that that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Okay, so if, if we're angry at each other and we have unresolved matters, uh, there's, there's, a, there's judgment that will happen with this. Drop down to 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, this is, this is pretty big, and, and, and we kind of have to put it in perspective of what Jesus meant when he said this. Jesus was from Galilee. In order for him to be in worship properly, he had to go where? He had to go to the temple in Jerusalem. And there was a couple of days journey from Galilee to Jerusalem to actually get there. So think about it. It takes you a couple of days to get to the temple. You now come into the whole, you go through the uh, court of the Gentiles, the court of the women. Uh, You come into the court of where all this is going down, where you give your offering and worship. And there, depending upon what it is that you're offering or the sin that you've committed, it's either a grain offering or an animal offering that, that comes to that point. So there you are, you're at that place and you're ready to atone for your sin you're ready to confess your sin. You're ready to be reconciled with God and you're ready to give your offering. And Jesus says, you get to that point and all of a sudden you go like, oh no. Joe and I are sideways. Mary and I, we, we've said some things to each other or I've done this to her and, and, and that never got resolved. Jesus said, you're supposed to not go forward in your act of worship, but you're supposed to stop. Now imagine interrupting worship and stopping what you're doing. And he says, you're to go back and reconcile with your brother or your sister. So what that meant in Jesus' time was, now I've got a couple of days' journey back to Galilee. I've got to go find Mary or Joe, and I've got to reconcile with them. Then I've got a couple of days' journey back to Jerusalem to get back to the temple. Do you see why why he's mentioning this? Do you see how long it takes? But he's trying to say how important it is, that it's that important to leave everything behind and to go find the person and to reconcile with him and to be good with him once more. But here's what happens. It's being right with others, but it's also being right with God. And we've got to come to that point where we do that. Our walk of faith says that daily, we should be asking ourselves the question, as good Wesleyans, how well is my soul and that's not just kind of like oh i feel kind of good today had a good night's rest and no how well is your soul how well are you in your soul are you at peace with god are you at peace with your fellow brothers and sisters are you at peace with your neighbors how well is your soul and, and sometimes we will say that, and we'll say, you know, like a question like, hey, God will say, are we good? And you'll say, yeah, God, we're, we're, we're real good. We're spot on. And then God will say, but are we really good? Oh, yeah, God, we're great. You know, I, I've confessed my sin, and, and I'm living a life that's, that's worthy of your calling. And God will say, but are you good with Him? Are you good with her? Are you good with those folks over there? And that's important. Because what God is trying to say to us is that we can't really be at peace coming before him in worship until we've settled those matters. And this is really powerful and it's really important because what God is saying is that I created that person in good and I love that person. And because I love that person, you have to be at peace. You gotta find a way to be at peace with them. Now, some of us might say, "But, but I can't do that. They won't care. It doesn't matter and all that. Folks, we have to try we have to put the foot forward to be able to do that. So here's the question this morning. How can we be so content with God to center reconciliation and not good at center to center reconciliation? How can we say that it's just about, or I can, I can be at peace as long as God and I are at peace when you and I are not at peace with each other? Why is it that we won't demonstrate that kind of reconciliation to one another. So here's the thing it boils down to this. Daily, you and I are given the opportunity to take those steps. Every day, we're given the opportunity to take those steps. And our mind will start telling us not to do it, we shouldn't do it, there's no reason to do it, it's not going to matter, all this. We need to push all that aside. We need to send the letter, we need to make the phone call, we need to drive to the person's house, we need to reconcile with the person that, that our heart is squashed with, the person that we cannot be in relationship with. We've got to find a way. And even in those matters where it is so devastating, then we have to invite God to be the way. Because in our own flesh, we can't do it. But we have to at least show God and demonstrate to God, I don't want this in my heart anymore. I want to be free of these things. Now, before we come to the table and we celebrate Holy Communion together, I want you to just do an exercise with me. I want to invite you here this morning, if you'll just close your eyes for a second, At home, those of you that are live streaming with us, I wanna ask that you would also uh, close your eyes. And I want you to think of the person that you're at odds with right now. Who is the person or who are the persons that you have not been able to reconcile with? I want you to see their face very clearly. I want you to call them by name in your mind. And I want you to see very vividly who that person is. And I want to encourage you today to step out in faith, to demonstrate to that person the same kind of love of pursuit that God has demonstrated to you, to reconcile himself to you by his blood that you too can reconcile with that person that you're thanking. Who's the person you're seeing that you're arguing with me with right now? But pastor, I can't do that can't, there's no way. I just can't do that. We have to try. And we have to bring God into the equation. It's once was said, the pursuit of peace without the promise of peace is not a wasted effort. So whether they'll accept your reconciliation, whether it will even matter, whether it's too late, the pursuit of peace without the promise of peace is not a wasted effort. Step out in faith, be reconciled, come into worship and praise your holy God.